0: Welcome to the Lost Then Found podcast. This is a space where we will discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstances. I'm your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my journey of being lost then found. Welcome to the Lost Than Found podcast. I am your host, China Vogel, and I am excited that we are diving into week two of our new series called Honest to God. And this week we are talking about when you don't know how. So let's unpack the meaning of that because I actually, when I recorded last week's episode, I didn't actually have the series title picked out at that point. I knew the heart of what we were going to be covering, but as God so often does, he brings the revelation in the right time. And um, so honest to God is where I landed. And so it's funny because it's something that is a part of our uh, culture now, something that people say. And when they say it, they're, they're saying, no, no, I mean it. It's real. Or no, this is the complete truth, honest to God. And that is what I am meaning in a sense by opening up this series. You know, this series is... Uh, going to be one where we're going to look at different ways to be honest with God, to be genuine with him, to be real with him. And a very, very important point is to be genuine and real about all of it with him. You know, there's a quote I heard this week from Meister Eckhart, and it says, no one can know God who does not first know himself. Like we can't claw, we can't draw close to God if we aren't willing to get close and look at who we are. And I found that to be true in my own walk that, you know, there's two things that are intertwined that to look at God reveals things about me. And because I'm made in his image, when I look at myself, it can absolutely teach me things about God. So that is the heart of the series and to invite you to come in on this journey of being honest to God. And so, you know, prayer is a road that we travel to, to connect with God. And honestly, it's a way of being, uh, just pulling back the curtain to be fully honest, to be fully transparent, uh, so that way God can see what's in your heart, which yes, he already knows it anyways, but he wants you to choose to be honest with him. Uh, we have this thing called free will <laughs> and he desires uh, on the reciprocal side to be honest and to be heard by you. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that all the way back to childhood for a lot of us, that we are trained on what to do with what is in our hearts, right? We're trained that, you know, depending on our family dynamic our where we grew up, um, big city farm kid, you know, what, whatever that looks like, all those things play into what we believe about what we do with that input and those emotions. And we're trained some more than others that we need to filter or hold back some of those emotions and to kind of conceal the condition of our hearts. And we have these standards uh, in our society, right? Where we share uh, and then there's things that we don't share. <laughs> and so we do create a filter to kind of sift out what is and isn't appropriate, um, to share with people that are in different closeness proximity to us. Right. You know, I'm going to share different things with my husband and I'm going to share with someone that I bump into at the gas station that I've never met, you know, but with God, uh, it's kind of amazing. He requires no filter, which can be terrifying. And it can be jolting. And honestly, it's counterintuitive to what we've been trained. Like you don't have to filter any of it. You don't have to keep the conversation with him um, to the surface level where it's like, hey, thanks for the weather, protect my family. But no, he actually wants all of it and the deeper stuff. And for me, this has been such a journey, you know, sometimes you hear like deeper stuff Well, what deeper stuff. And I know for me, you know, in the last, especially the last few years, especially I have been learning this truth and right alongside of it on this journey of kind of discovering myself, um, to realize that there is far, far more going on, uh, in the layers that are below the surface in my heart, uh, that I need to not only discover what's going on down there. But that God actually wants to be a part of that process with me, and maybe you um, know this feeling. Like I was in a situation <laughs> this past weekend, and uh, someone you know, you do the thing where you normally you do, you encounter somebody you know, and they're like, "Oh, how are you doing? How was your week?" and and then they shared, right? So I did that with someone, and then of course they reciprocated the question. So how are you doing? And I start sharing about my life. And the next thing I know, I look up and lock eyes uh, with this person and I realize, oh, they just got more than they bargained for than they actually were asking for. Like I overextended um, talking about, you know, all the things in my life, bread, seeds, you know, stuff that I'm passionate about. And when in reality, they were probably looking for more like about 10% of what they actually got. And I realize it. And of course, in those moments, you kind of recoil with your tail, um, wrapped around you so you can hide in it and that's okay. And something I am learning because I have a tendency to go way overboard. Um, but it is something that I realized as I was prepping this episode that man, God is a friend that is like no other friend. He's a, uh, he is like nobody else in the fact that there needs to be no filter, right? And I think sometimes we even do a filter to protect ourselves, um, or maybe we're just unaware of even what's going on down there. Um, but God wants to not only um, know it, but He will help you navigate to discovering what is going on in your heart. So as we start today, let's frame the, you know, this question: When you don't know how, well, what are we talking about? Well, maybe you don't know how to be honest with God. Or maybe it comes back to, you know, if we're talking about prayer, which is what what this series is going to be a lot about, maybe you're like, well, maybe I don't know how to pray, but we can frame it with this foundational truth as we move on today, that God wants to know you and he wants to hear all of what's in your heart and what's going on in your life and what's going on in your mind. And whether we may have been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you just got saved yesterday. And if that's the case, congrats, you know, but either way, I think that this prayerful honesty can be something that can be this thing that takes our life, um, our whole life to master, but that it's regardless of where we're at in our walk, it's still important to lean into. We've we've never mastered it, Right. And sometimes I know for me, it has felt elusive. I've been confused. <laughs> uh, and if I'm not careful and we aren't careful then how we handle prayer and how we approach prayer, we can really shortchange the power that's available and treat it like a Hail Mary to keep us safe or to cover big decisions or to pray, like I said, about the weather or to, to cover our meals because it's what you do when you have little kids, you pray around the table, right? But no, prayer is so much more so much more than that. And it is those things, but there's far more, um, it's far more complex than that. And it's far more powerful than that. And maybe you're asking yourself, okay, Jenna, so how do I do this? What is prayer? How does Jesus want me to engage in prayer? And at the most basic level, prayer is talking to God. You can pray in your head. You can pray out loud. You can write down your prayers. You can sing your prayers. It's all prayer it's just communicating with God. And Jesus actually was posed this question, <laughs> uh, in Matthew and in Luke, it's documented. Uh, we're not sure, um, you know, scholars kind of dispute whether these were two separate incid- incidences or whether it's the same one, but either way, Jesus was asked, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. His disciples wanted to know. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, he brings it up again. And this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, 9 through 15 is where we're diving in today. So then this is how you should pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So as we let the Lord's prayer frame this for us, There are different types of prayer, and I believe that Jesus knew what he was doing here. Um, And this revelation hit me actually late last night, and it kind of blew my mind, but there are deeper connections here with what Jesus shared as direction for his disciples and the different variations of prayer. So to kickstart off, one type of prayer that we're going to be looking at today is praise and thanksgiving. And this really ties into that first piece the, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, blessed be your name. And this is actually, um, stems back to the word Bracha from the Hebrew. And this is a form of prayer that recognizes the good that God has given to us. It's a please and a thank you to the creator for the sustenance and the pleasure he has given us. Right. And God has given us good things. And so we, praise him. We acknowledge him for who he is. We show him love. We give him respect. We give him adoration. We give him our time and our energy. And then Thanksgiving is where we express gratitude for the things that we have, right? That he's provided. And so while God has a lot of names and aspects of who he is, that it just, that Thanksgiving piece is just kind of the dovetails right into this praise piece, right? And as we acknowledge who he is in our hearts, with our words, with our actions, we can give him our worship and we give him our praise and we give him our thanks. And worship is ascribing worth, right? So what a great partnership that through prayer, praise and thanksgiving and us ascribing worth to him can happen. Psalm 5, 7 says, but as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house at your holy temple i will bow in reverence for you. Hebrews 13:15 says through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name that the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name the fruit that comes out of my mouth because i'm acknowledging him that is praise, right? And then one of my favorite verses Um, that I've been very marked by in my walk with the Lord, Revelation 4.11. It says, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And he is truly worthy of our praise. And it's not so much about, is he worthy? It's really more of a matter a lot of times in how we're seeing him. And if we're seeing him correctly uh, to give him the, you know, the appropriate amount of love, respect, and admiration that he really deserves. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's his will, right? That we give thanks always, that we rejoice always, that we don't stop praying that it's this continual heart posture of, Lord, thank you, even when things are going south. Lord, thank you that my car has gas in it. Lord, thank you that my kids are healthy. Um, Lord, Lord, thank you that it's 70 degrees outside today. All of it, right? There are always things to give thanks for, and maybe those things seem trivial, but that act of reposturing your heart, especially despite less than ideal circumstances, man, that has a way of shifting in atmosphere and it has a way of keeping your heart posture healthy and correct. And so Psalm 95, one through five, says, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth and the heights of the hills. They're also Is. And friend, God has given you literally all that you have. (laughs) He is provider. And so, what do you do when you get a gift? You say thank you, right? Like, that's the polite thing to do. And if it's a really good gift, like, if it's like, man, when I think about somebody who knows me so well, like when my husband gives me gifts and like he just knows me and like, oh, he just saw me, that is a gift that I give thanks for a lot. Why? Like, I don't just say it once. I repeatedly say it over time. It's because not just because I'm being polite, like with the first one, no, I'm saying it over and over again, because I have gratitude for that gift because that gift just keeps on giving and keeps on blessing. And that is what we do with God because his gifts are good and they are a blessing. And it says, James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And as a side note here, it's not just to thank God for what he has already given, which I think is obvious, right? But he, but for the things that he will give, right? Like we can thank him in advance for those promises that like, hey, I haven't seen this yet, but Lord, I know what you say in scripture, and I'm thanking you for insert, right? That you do have good good plans for me, that you've promised to not forsake me, to never leave me, to be by my side, to be my strength when I am weak, right? Like there are things that you can thank him for, even if you're in a pit and that you can also be thankful for the prayers that don't get answered. You know, I look back on my life. I was just thinking about this the other day, that there were prayers that I prayed five and 10 years ago. And now looking back, like those were prayers that I like begged God for. And I look back and I think, man, God, I'm so grateful that your way was better, (laughs) that you had something so much better planned for me. Because if You would have answered those prayers, I would have had a cheat substitute compared to what he actually had for me. And so praise and thanksgiving in our worship is giving God worth. It's giving him love and affection for who he is. And it's a thank you for giving me the best things, for giving me what I need, for withholding what is cheap, and Lord, for your timing and for your plan. So praise and thanksgiving is the first. And number two is petition and intercession. And this really ties in with the your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, this kind of prayer, this petitioning, this intercessory prayer, is prayer where we are not concerned with our own needs, but now we're looking to the needs of others. We're praying uh, for other people, and we pray in accordance with God's will, right? As He intended things to be, as He desires things to be on earth, uh, as it is in heaven. Heaven being this place where there, where it's perfect, right? Where um, it doesn't have the brokenness of sin that's kind of like messing everything up. But no, like there's, uh, this perfect heaven and God's perfect kingdom. And we're praying in accordance with that will for the people around us. And so we petition the Lord and we intercede. And, you know, Paul prayed this as he opened his letter to the church in Philippi, he opens up and says, uh, so it's in uh, chapter one, verse nine, it says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to test and prove what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so, what is he doing there? He's praying in accordance with God's will, and he knew that this was something that the people needed. Paul, who was once Saul, who was prior, oh man, he was a person who persecuted and killed Christians. Like he was the absolute opposite of somebody who would be following Jesus and doing his work, but no, the Lord changed him. And so he wasn't praying this out of who he had been, but out of the righteousness that he now has in Jesus because of the work of what Jesus did on the cross and because of how the Lord can turn bad things to good things and turn just everything on its head, right? Paul could have the confidence in bringing his prayer before the father, and so that kind of ties in with uh, 1 John 5, 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. We can ask for anything in accordance with his will and he hears us. And we see that Daniel did this for the people of God too. He interceded for the people in Daniel nine seventeen and 18. It says, so now... God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O oh Lord, ca- cause your face to shine on your desolate sanctuary. Incline your ear, O oh my God, and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you because of our righteous acts, because, but because of your great compassion. And even tack, tacked some worship and praise and thanksgiving at the end there. Did you catch that? But because of who you are, Lord, please do this. And Daniel, he was interceding for the people that God, Lord, come and move on behalf of your people on that everything that the Lord had established with his temple, his sanctuary, like they were just um, beaten down and they were in slavery and in bondage. And so at the beginning of chapter 9, I found this interesting that Daniel chapter nine opens up with in the first year of Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood from the sacred books, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petition with fasting sackcloth and ashes. So, what, what is so amazing about that is that A, Daniel knew the word of the Lord. He knew that God had already prophesied this through Jeremiah that, hey, this is going to last 70 years. And then he says, I am going to pray and petition uh, towards the Lord, right? Then I'm going to fast and through sackcloth and ashes. And so, fasting, you know, it's something we're going to dive into more later. But for our topic today, and for the context of this scripture, fasting is something that people do to strengthen their prayer. It draws them closer to God. And in the process, they deny themselves. And so Daniel, out of his sincerity of like, Lord, move, <laughs> see my offering, was doing all he could to not only pray for the people, but he knew that there was power in fasting and prayer as a, like a partnership. And so he denied himself as a way to move the Lord's heart. And as Daniel was petitioning and interceding for the Jewish people, he prayed for God's will to be done on earth that God's for God's people as it is in heaven, in heaven where there isn't sin, right? He was praying for God's best for God's people. And this kind of prayer is powerful when we align our thoughts and our prayers with your kingdom come, your will be done. And so prayer, regardless of the type where we align our hearts, that's really what matters, Right that there is a perfect God who has all power and all authority. And Lord, I'm going to align my heart with you, not with, with what I think, right? And I love this. James one five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, because he'll give generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. That And if we don't know the Lord's will, then we we know the word of God and we ask. <laughs> it's really that simple. I think we make it far more complicated than it needs to be sometimes. In Psalm 145, 19, it says, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. If you fear the Lord, then your heart's already in line with him. And so it's amazing how like, hey, you're in line with him and he's going to fulfill those desires, right? He's going to hear those cries. And so we petition and intercede by praying for others in accordance with God's will On earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. So, number one, like I said, is praise and thanksgiving. Number two, petition and intercession. And number three is supplication. And this really ties into the give us this day our daily bread portion of our passage. You know, this prayer involves the action of asking God for things that God will you be my supplier for my need today. That the prayer uh, is kind of a prayer dependence. And it's us choosing kind of this willful humility to say, God, I can't do it for myself. Lord, I need you. I need things from you. You are my sustainer. Lord, you are the living bread. We need you to survive. So can we ask humbly for you to provide for my needs today? And this daily bread reference shows up in two places. Actually, one where Satan comes to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. So we're in Matthew 4, 4. And Jesus, uh, Satan's kind of launching these attacks at Jesus and Jesus responds to Satan says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is the truth, right? Our daily bread and our daily meats can only be met by him. And this passage is actually referencing back like Jesus is saying, Hey, it's written because he's calling back to something that had already taken place many, many years prior in Deuteronomy eight, three. And this is where Moses is actually reminding the people of God, uh, who God has been to them. So Deuteronomy three says, God humbled you. He's saying this to the Israelites, right? And in your hunger, he gave you manna to eat, which neither you nor your fathers had known so that you might understand that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So manna, manna here is, uh, the root of that is bread of heaven. And if you know that story, the Israelites are out in the wilderness and they have no food to eat. And so Lord, the Lord sends bread for literally bread from the sky for the people. And they were able to gather just what they needed for the day to sustain themselves. And just like the Israelites, God provided daily bread for them. So they didn't starve. And he wants to do the same for us. And this is what we do when we make this our prayer. Uh through supplication we're asking God be my provider. Give me my sustenance to carry me through my day to day. Lord, for whatever I face, I need you and you are what keeps me going. And you know Nehemiah understood this, right? Nehemiah in uh chapter 1 verse 11 says He's praying to the Lord and he says, oh, Lord, may your ear be attentive to my prayer and the prayers of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success this day as I pray and and grant uh, me mercy in the sight of this man. And he was talking about in uh, kind of going and addressing the king. So just like Daniel, he was actually interceding on behalf of the people who are scattered at this point. And Nehemiah was petitioning and interceding for the people, but he was also praying a prayer of supplication. So he was asking, Lord, in light of where your people are, and then he goes on to ask for God's favor. He prayed that the Lord would cover it, and God did move on his behalf. And the story goes on in the book of Nehemiah. It's a great story. You should read it if you haven't. But Nehemiah asked for the Lord's help. He asked for the Lord to supply him with what he needed. And I know that this is uh, the kind of prayer that gets picked on sometimes, especially if this is the main or only kind of praying that we do or that you do. Like, Lord, help me to make it to work on what is left in my gas tank. (laughs) That seems so relevant right now with gas prices, but those are, those prayers are okay. They are prayers and God, I believe, does care about those prayers. But there are definitely more types of prayer that we should be praying, that we need to be praying. And there are deeper things that move the heart of God. And like I said, more to that heart of your kingdom come, your will be done. There's bigger prayers uh, to be praying. Does God care about them all? Absolutely. There's more available though. So hear me, supplication prayer is good. It's necessary. Don't feel bad about it. But... Do know that you can have confidence coming to him, just asking for whatever. And if it's gas in your tank, great. If it's to cover, man, a broken marriage or a broken relationship, like that's a good prayer too. If you're praying for what's going on in our world, that's a great prayer. These are all things that we need to be praying for. And Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I love that verse. I've used it a lot on this podcast and there's a reason for it. I love it. (laughs) This thought that we can have confidence to come near to God, that like I'm coming in with my little basket of supplication, my little ask of my basket of, you know, questions and things I need. And, and it's not just that I'm coming into this throne and this far off distant God. No, it's a throne of grace, grace that Jesus provided, right? A grace filled grace that is ready, uh, grace that is ready to receive you kind of throne, a place where we find help when we have need and he's ready to be whatever we need for that moment. So we give our prayer and supplication, and those are super important and you can have confidence knowing that he wants to help you, and he will he will be your supply so it's uh praise and thanksgiving, it's petition and intercession third third kind of prayer is supplication, and then we're on to number four, which is confession so confession is a prayer. Where we acknowledge and we repent of our sins, and if you're human, you are sinful. Now let me let me share that with you. You're sinful. <laughs> I'm sinful. So we we come to God and we say, "Lord, forgive me." And this piece ties in with the out of back to if we're hearkening back to the Lord's Prayer. This ties in with that. Forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors. We can come clean with God about the mistakes and our need for God's grace. And we can prepare our hearts to be cleansed by him. Because you know what? Christ paid for all of that. We still need to ask for forgiveness. Repentance is, I believe, a a really um, underdeveloped but very important part of our Christian walk. For a lot of people that I see that... Where we want to be holy, but this this like getting on our face before the Lord and asking for forgiveness is not something we do. and yes, He paid for it, uh, but I still need to come to the Lord and say, "Man, I'm Lord, forgive me, help me, help me, Lord, help me not to to have this transgression again, you know And the Holy Spirit, as he does, he steps in, and it's because of Christ's sacrifice that we can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, as we pray, God, forgive me, then I can say, I forgive. So that forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Psalm 32, 1 said, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And our sins are covered, friend. Like here, what I'm saying, repentance doesn't mean that they're not covered. Uh, The act of repentance is connecting our heart with God because our sin separates us from him. But because of what Jesus did, he made a way, right? He made a way for us to come to the throne of grace. And so Luke 6, 37 goes on, 37 and 38. It says, forgive, you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And friends, It's like a lot of things in life. You can't give something that you don't have in your possession. And if I can encourage you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness as a free gift that's been given. Matthew 26, 28 says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. The Lord forgives you. He forgives you. <laughs> Jesus said this at the Lord's Supper as he was preparing to actually go and be crucified. When he was preparing for his actual blood to be poured out where he would die on a cross and take on the weight that we owed, the debt that I owed. And because he overcame that, he overcame this sin. he bore it. He was a sinless, spotless, spotless lamb and he overcame it. He made a way for us to come to him and he says, I forgive you freely, lovingly, unsparingly. And because we've received that, that's a free gift that he gives us. He calls us to do the same. And man, that, that passage I read just a minute ago that Luke 6, 37, 38, where it says, give as you've been given, as if it's been given to you, Right that doesn't just mean like man I've been forgiven I can give forgiveness. I think that can be a really sobering verse. And what I mean by that is like I think whatever you give is what you're going to get in return. <laughs> just just take that in for a minute. That hey whatever I'm dealing out whether it's good or bad I'm I'm sowing and I'm going to reap what I'm sowing. And so I'm going to read that again. It says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right side of that. (laughs) I want to be on the right side of that. And so as I forgive, I am learning as a person who is easily offended in my flesh and me and the enemy wants to use that as a, as a way to get in to my heart, to get me um, disconnected and away from the call of God. No, I, I set those things down and I say, you know what? I forgive because I've been forgiven, right? And Peter asks this. He, he asked the same question uh, in Matthew 18. And Jesus answers it directly. Peter says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother who sins against me? And Jesus answers, and, he said, and so Peter says, is it seven times, like up to? And Jesus answers, I tell you, not just seven times, but 70 times, 77 times. Because of this, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts for his servants. And as he began to, to begin the settlements, a debtor brought to him um, who owed him 10,000 talents. And since the man was unable to pay, the master ordered that he be sold to pay his debt along with his wife and his children and everything he owned. The servant fell on his knees before him and he said, have patience with me. He begged and I will pay back everything. His master had compassion on him, forgave his debt and released him. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii So he had owed, if you're hearing that right, I'm looking back, um, 10,000 talents, right? So a hundred denarii, slightly less. And he grabbed his fellow servant and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe me. So the fellow servant fell down and said, have patience with me. I'll pay you back. But he refused. And instead he went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and recounted it all to their master. Then the master summoned him and declared, you wicked servant, I forgave you all your debts because you begged me, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. And Jesus goes on and says, that is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's sobering and it's okay that it's sobering. You have been given much. You have been given a great amount of forgiveness for an immense, a lifetime worth of sin and failure and brokenness of rejecting the Lord, of running away from him. And he's still there saying, I forgive you. And so when we receive that forgiveness, when we take that into our possession and we allow ourselves to grab a hold of that, then we can freely say, you know what? It doesn't matter what the transgression is, I forgive you. And so when we ask for God's forgiveness for our shortcomings and our failures, then we can willingly choose, like it says, he says, forgive your brother from your heart. So we willingly choose to, from our heart, to forgive those who are in debt to us. So number one, praise and thanksgiving. Number two, we petition and have intercession. Number three is supplication. Number four is confession. And the last one we're hitting on today is spiritual warfare. So number five, and this ties into the very last phrase. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. (laughs) Oh, this is when we deal with the battles within ourselves and for other people. And we use prayer as a way to not only guard us against attacks and maintain focus, but also to combat darkness, to receive deliverance from bondage. This prayer involves us asking God for protection and to guard us from any harm. Psalm 107, uh, 28 through 30 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Hmm. Man, they cried to the Lord and he delivered them. He calmed the waves. How good is that? And this, of course, makes me think of Ephesians 6. And if you know your Bible, I'm sure you know where I'm going here. But we're talking about the armor of God. Ephesians 6 10 through 18. It's a hefty chunk of scripture, but stick with me. So let's kick off 6 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of of his might, put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Bible clearly states it. Friend, if you don't know that, I I would, I am glad that I'm saying this out loud right now. We are in a spiritual battle. Life is not, uh, not as we see it with our eyes. There is stuff that is going on in the spiritual realm that we can't see. uh, And that is where our battle is, that our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Sometimes it feels like it is. It's not against people, (laughs) but it's actually against evil. It's about the enemy's schemes but we have this prescription to protect ourselves and others. So Ephesians six, it goes on in verse the verse 13 says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all that you can to stand firm. So stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness And as shoes for your feet, you've put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And catch this verse 18. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Man, he's saying we pray at all times, we keep alert, we persevere, and we pray for others and we pray for ourselves. And we utilize the protection that God has given us to fight this battle so we can win, right? So, what does he outline there? Well, it's the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is allegiance to the truth that God has given us in his word, right? He is who he says he is. That is the truth. It's unwavering. It's unswerving. And that is the truth. So we put that on. That's, that doesn't change, right? Then there's the breastplate of righteousness. That's godly character. And knowing that I'm in a right relationship with God, that that, um, that power that came to us when Jesus washed us clean that, that righteousness is mine. I am righteous and I am in right standing with God. And then I also have shoes that give us readiness given by the gospel of peace. So I'm ready with the gospel of peace. Believing, that's believing that uh, and boldly speaking it out that the gospel um, of Jesus Christ is true. Right? I've got the gospel and I'm ready with it. And then I have a shield of faith that blocks and extinguishes flaming darts from the enemy. Friend, this is bold faith uh, where the gospel is true and God is good to his word and the Bible, it functions as a shield. Our faith that know this, he is who he says he is and the word is what it is. It's the truth. It's not like man's interpretation. No, this is the inspired authoritative word of God that is a shield and it's like it's covered in water and it puts out flaming arrows as they pierce it and it blocks us from taking that blow. It's amazing. (laughs) And then we have a helmet of salvation and that is where we're renewed in our mind and we're confident that God, once again, is who he says he will, will be and that he said he will protect us. And then finally, we have the sword of the spirit, and that's knowing the word of God. It's believing it, once again, that it's complete, it's lacking nothing. And uh, that sword, it defends us against um, and in the battle that's happening to try and gain our attention, our lives, to steal our identity and our call. That sword of the spirit protects us. And so, this is how we fight against the enemy for ourselves and for others. We put on the armor and we can defend ourselves. And then we can pray once again, back to that heart of your kingdom, come, your will be done. We pray in accordance with the will of God. We, if we know the word, we can call that to mind and we pray it and we profess it. And I proclaim that over even the dark spaces, right? Where the enemy is trying to maneuver. And so this is how we fight. This is how we fight for ourselves. This is how we fight for others. So to recap, the Lord's Prayer, man, that was given by Jesus on two different accounts um, within scripture, in Luke and in Matthew. And he's giving that up to us and to his disciples at the time as a guide. So when we pray, and I uh, believe that this goes absolutely hand in hand with the types of prayer that we covered today. And to recap those, that's thanksgiving and praise, which is where we pray uh, and give God praise and thanks and worship for who he is and what he's done. There's where we petition and intercede. And that's where we present requests to God to move and work on the behalf of other people. That's in in accordance with heaven, in accordance with his design and his will. And then there's supplication where we bring our own request to God so he can supply our daily needs. There's confession where we confess our sins. We ask for forgiveness through through the act of repentance, and then we forgive other people. And finally, there's spiritual warfare where we pray for ourselves and others. And that focus comes against the power of darkness and it's calling on the power of God through prayer and by applying the armor of God. Friends, prayer is so much more (laughs) than praying over our dinner. And I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm saying this to, to myself as much as I'm saying it to you, but prayer is so much more than praying over our meals or, Man, uh yeah, praying for good weather, you know, and those are okay things, but I really hope that today showed you that there is a far deeper thing there, and all of this is available to you. all of this God has prepared for you um, as a way to not just be another task of things for you to do, but this is like I believe tools in our spiritual tool belt, man, so we can come to God and be honest with him. That there's a lot of different ways we can be honest, right? That this kind of covered, man, the, the different areas and recesses of my heart. God, I want to expose it all to you. And I believe that these are just some of the ways that we can step into being honest with God. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the practicals, um, maybe some thoughts around how to apply prayer within your day and throughout your week and throughout your life. But as for today, we are done. This was a long one. So thanks for sticking with me, but I'm going to pray over you before we go. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, I just thank you that you are the unchanging, unswerving God. Lord, that you don't shift, that your shadow doesn't change because you do not move. God, that your faithfulness is from generation to generation. And so God, I just thank you that I believe that the truth of your word is going out And it's going to minister to people today, God, that I believe that you're calling up prayer warriors for this time, because I believe we're in a, in an age right now. And there's a time coming where this will need to be pivotal, that this will need to be something that we've already exercised and have spiritual muscle in. And so God, I thank you for the call higher. And I pray that we would answer the call and say, Lord, I may not know how to do this perfectly, but I'm going to do it. If you're calling me to it, if it's for me, I'm going to step into it. And Lord, I trust you with the rest. So God, I pray for our friends. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you would um, just cover them. God, as they're, whatever they're facing, if they're on a mountaintop or if they're in a valley, God, that you would make your presence known to them. And God, I do pray that you would just thwart the enemy wherever he's trying to discourage or uh, deflate things or get people confused and lost and away from healthy biblical community. God, I just pray that you'd convict and that you draw us back the way that you do. When we allow you to, you are a good shepherd and you know how how to take care of your sheep when we don't fight you. So Lord, we submit to you today. We trust you. And we love you. And Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, I love you. I love you. I really pray that this has encouraged you. And like I said, I I prayed that and I believe that to be um, 100% true. I believe that now more than ever, we need to be people of prayer. And I believe that there uh, will like, are, I don't think um, that the Lord's drawing this um, as a highlight, as something to look at uh, because uh, because of anything else. But besides, I believe he's trying to equip us for the days that are ahead of us. So I love you. I pray that this encourages you and check back next week on Wednesday for the next episode of Honest to God. Be blessed.